0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of the Global Heart Failure Academy and is brought to you by MedTelligence. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives.
1: Iron deficiency is common in patients with heart failure. However, it remains underdiagnosed and undertreated. Iron deficiency is commonly overlooked in our non-anemic patients. Let me say that again, this is so important. It's overlooked in our non-anemic patients. And this can have a significant impact on outcomes and quality of life, especially for patients who also have diabetes. So how can we better recognize and treat iron deficiency in our patients with heart failure? This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Robert Mentz. And I'm Dr. Peter Vandermeer. So Peter, let's discuss a patient case that we unfortunately see quite often. And I'll be relying on your expertise as part of a cardiology consult. I have a 73-year-old woman with a history of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, or HEFREF, and diabetes. And she was recently discharged from the hospital after an NYHA class four acute decompensation. She required inotropic support during this. She was decongested and there was up titration for pharmacotherapies, including ACE inhibitors and beta blockers. But this was limited because of symptomatic hypotension. And after initial improvement to NYHA class two symptoms, Unfortunately, her symptoms deteriorated to class 3, and she was readmitted. During this evaluation, test results revealed a hemoglobin of 13.5 grams per deciliter, serum ferritin of 150 micrograms per liter, a T-set of 11%, and negative fecal occult blood test. What do you think are some of the likely causes of this patient's heart failure? And maybe you could comment a little bit on the comorbidity burden. Well, Rob, that's a very challenging case
0: especially like the recent decompensation, and again, very symptomatic with functional class 3. 73-year-old lady, so if we talk about the comorbidities, she has diabetes, of course, which is a risk factor, really leading to higher morbidity and mortality. And also what you mentioned, she has iron deficiency. Although she's non-anemic, her hemoglobin level was 13.5, You said but clearly her transplant saturation is too low. So even though she does not have anemia, she does have iron deficiency. And these comorbidities probably also have led to her symptoms and perhaps her readmission
1: again. Could you maybe talk a little bit about your approach then? You're now seeing her back in clinic. You're noting the iron deficiency. What are the things you're thinking about in terms of evaluating for iron deficiency? How do we do that in patients with heart failure? So it's a good point. So the the definition,
0: because heart failure is a, Chronic inflammatory disease. So, the markers you're using for defining iron deficiency are two. So, you need ferritin, but also the transferrin saturation. So, which part of the transferrin, the transferrin which transports the iron throughout the body, which of that proportion of transferrin is saturated with iron? And because ferritin is an acute phase protein, so the ferritin goes up in inflammatory conditions. And since heart failure is a chronic inflammatory condition, your ferritin are falsely elevated, so it could mask the presence of iron deficiency. So that's why the definition has actually two parts. So if your ferritin in a patient with heart failure is below 100, you're done. The patient does have iron deficiency. But if your ferritin is between 100 and 300, you need additional evidence because it could be falsely elevated due to the heart failure condition. So then you add the transferrin saturation. And when the transferrin saturation is below 20, also then the patient does have iron deficiency. I think that's exactly what we see in your case. The ferritin is 150. The transferrin
1: saturation is too low. It's below 20. Maybe share with us a little bit. Help us better understand how common is iron deficiency in heart failure. And, you know, as we're thinking of helping take care of our patients, how does it impact their quality of life and clinical outcomes? Excellent
0: question. So iron deficiency, it depends a bit on what kind of patient population you're studying. So if you're studying stable patients, I think, in have rev, more or less 50% of the patients do have iron deficiency. But if you go into the sicker population, for example, this patient with acute decompensated heart failure, it goes up to two-thirds to three-quarters of the patients being iron deficient. Females are more often iron deficient than males. Also, reduced iron intake is a risk factor. Decompensation is a risk factor. Perhaps bowel edema leads to a reduced uptake of iron. So a lot of factors play a role in the etiology of iron deficiency in patients with heart failure. And the patients who do have iron deficiency, they have a clearly higher morbidity mortality rate. So they are more often re-hospitalized for heart failure, same as your patient, and also mortality is substantially higher in these patients and quality of life is lower.
1: You've walked us through how we diagnose this, the impact on quality of life and outcomes. Now let's talk, how do we treat it? Can we use oral iron and help us understand the IV iron data that we have from trials? Yes, yeah, so it's a good point. So there are two options. So there's intravenous
0: iron and there's oral iron. Chronologically, the IV iron trials were first in heart failure. So there were three trials: the Fair HF, the Confirm, and the Effect HF. And all three trials looked at soft endpoints, and they all used intravenous iron. And what they found is that when patients with iron deficiency and HF, when iron deficiency was treated, quality of life was higher, the exercise capacity increased, and there were less symptoms. And that's also why, for example, the 2016 guidelines from the ESC already mentioned the use of IV iron to improve quality of life and to improve exercise tolerance. And at the same time, when these three trials had been done, the question was, can we also use a relatively simple approach, just a pill? Can we give oral iron? And that was the iron out trial. And the iron out trial, they tested oral iron versus placebo. And they had as a primary outcome peak VO2. And also at the same time, the effect HF study was done with IV iron, and they also had peak VO2 as their endpoint. The effect HF study, so the IV iron study, they showed that if you give IV iron, uh, you can prevent a decrease in your peak VO2 over time. So IV iron was effective. There was a significant difference between patients getting IV iron versus not getting IV iron. They had higher peak VO2. So the same study at the same time. Was executed in the US, the Iron Out study, where they studied oral iron. Same outcome, peak VO2 primary outcome. And what they saw is that oral iron only marginally increased ferritin and T set, and there was no effect on peak VO2. So that led to the conclusion I think that oral iron often has side effects, not well tolerated, but also it did not really increase
1: your iron parameters. For those just tuning in, you're listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Robert Mentz, and here with me today is Dr. Peter Vandermeer. We're discussing the challenges we see with iron deficiency in patients with HEFREF and diabetes, plus screening and evidence-based approaches to care. Maybe walk us through now the AFFIRM AHF trial results, how that has really impacted your practice, and then maybe the recent guideline updates. So with the AFFIRM, we wanted to study what are the effects of IV iron on hard
0: endpoints. So heart failure rehospitalization and cardiovascular mortality. So 1,100 patients were recruited, all patients who were admitted with acute heart failure. And when they were recompensated, just before they were being sent home, they were randomized to receive either the IV iron or placebo. Follow-up was exactly one year. And in the Affirm, we found that giving IV iron reduced rehospitalization for heart failure. There was no effect on cardiovascular mortality. But there was a clear signal in lower rehospitalization rates in the patients treated with IV iron. And also in further studies, quality of life was higher in the patients who were treated with IV iron. But that's of course confirmatory because that's what we already knew also from the other three studies who looked more at also at the softer endpoints. So the affirm really changed. How to look at iron deficiency, it's not only that you improve quality of life and exercise capacity, but you also do something on harder endpoints like rehospitalization. So I think that's a very important study, and it also made changes in the guidelines. It's, of course, one study. So it got a 2A recommendation, level of evidence B, that IV iron in patients who have been hospitalized for acute heart failure, that the administration of IV iron reduces the rate of rehospitalization.
1: Wonderful summary of the data, the guidelines. Now let's take it back to our patients. So we've diagnosed this patient's iron deficiency. And we've identified this as an important contributing factor, likely, to their exacerbation. So what are your recommendations for treatment and management for our patient? Of course, we should never forget that the foundational four: ACE inhibitor
0: or sacubitril felsartan, of course, the beta blocker, the MRA, and the t two inhibitor, they are all class 1A recommendations for patients with, with HFRAF. So clearly that's foundational therapy. But then it's very important to check for the comorbidities. And for example, the the iron deficiency is important here because she has a lot of symptoms. She has clearly iron deficiency. So these are patients who would benefit if we look at the trials from treating the comorbidity. So I would stick to the trials which we have done. So this is a decompensated patient admitted to the hospital. I would just Check before she goes home. Does she have iron deficiency? Well, she does have iron deficiency, and I would give one gram of IV iron. Wonderful.
1: So, Peter, we've discussed how to approach the care of this patient in the inpatient setting. We've talked through some about this transition to the outpatient care as well. But let's maybe finish with some of your recommendations on how we would follow this patient. How would we maintain continuity of care? What would their trajectory look like from here? Yeah. So. I think it depends on how you set it up in your hospital, but if we stick to the
0: trial data, then all patients in the AFFIRM they were getting a second shot of IV iron six weeks after their first dose, irrespective of their iron levels, because I think it's very important that do not measure ferritin and transferrin saturation too early after you've administrated IV iron, because these levels might be very high, and sometimes it leads to a lot of noise, like, oh, is it iron overload? It's not, but just don't check... Early after administration. So, after six weeks in the trial, the majority of the patients got a second shot of IV iron, and then they were followed at 12 and 24 weeks and another time at 52 weeks. So you need to recheck iron deficiency. And I think in your case, I fully agreed to do a fecal occult blood test to see whether there are other etiologies, especially if the patient is also anemic. Like don't just, if it's, it's a severe anemia and iron deficiency, always think, could there be a gastrointestinal problem why the patient is iron deficient? So really think about it. And I think that's very nice that you did that in your patient. And then
1: you will check them regularly also for the comorbidities. Wonderful. Well, this has certainly been just an excellent conversation. And before we wrap up, Peter, so maybe you could summarize for us some of your key take-home messages for our audience. Well, I think if
0: you don't look for comorbidities, you don't find them. So I think it's important that, especially in the patient you presented with a lot of symptoms and a recent decompensation and hospitalization, check for the comorbidity. So if you don't measure the iron, uh, iron or the, the transfer saturation, the ferritin, you do not find the iron deficiency. So I think that would be one important take-home message. And two is don't stop with the hemoglobin. Hemoglobin level is normal. Oh, then there is no iron deficiency. That is not true. So if we look at, let's say, 50% of the patients in a stable condition were iron deficient, only one-third of this half have anemia. So the large proportion of the patients with iron deficiency are non-anemic. So don't be satisfied with only a hemoglobin. You need to do the iron checkup, ferritin, transferrin saturation. And when you find it, well, treatment really improves quality of life, improves exercise tolerance, and reduces the rate of rehospitalization. So these would
1: be my three take-home messages, Rob. Wonderful. So I think really a nice summary as we walk through how common iron deficiency is. We've got to disconnect this from anemia. It's so common even in those patients who are not anemic. We describe the impact on quality of life and the rehospitalizations we see in these patients who are iron deficient. We know that oral iron is going to be insufficient. We have to use IV iron. We have guideline updates to describe now this important benefit around clinical outcomes and quality of life. And we need to follow our patients and understand whether they need repeat infusions of IV iron and look at the total burden of our patients. And especially in our cases, we talked about diabetes as well. So this is very common in patients with one comorbidity that you see two, three, and four as well. So this has just been a phenomenal discussion. Thank you all for joining us today. Appreciate you tuning in. You're listening to CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Robert Mentz. And here with me today is Dr. Peter Vandermeer. We're discussing the challenges we see with iron deficiency in patients with HEFREF and diabetes, plus screening and evidence-based approaches to care. Thanks for joining you have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by MedTelligence. To receive your free
0: CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash heart failure. Thank you for listening.